Hello and welcome to this episode of the Doing Sport Differently podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Pallas, founder and CEO of Sports Community. And today we will hear from the amazing Rochelle Olsen, founder and self-proclaimed chief escapee of the Escaping Your Comfort Zone. A brilliant initiative which promotes body positive hiking and adventures for women and non-binary people. Established in 2016, Escaping Your Comfort Zone is an affiliated club with Bushwalking Victoria, and they are a recipient of the 2016 Vic Health Sports Innovation Challenge and the winner of the 2018 Vic Sport Victorian Outdoor Recreation Initiative of the Year. And they're also a really proud supporter of this Girl Can program in Victoria. I'm so excited to share Rochelle's inspirational story and how the valuable insights uh, that we will we'll all learn from today's episode can be applied to each and every sporting club. As always, this podcast has been made possible through our partnership with Vic Health, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to share the stories and successes of sports clubs around Australia who are doing sport differently. By way of background, Vic Health, in partnership with La Trobe University, identified six key principles for designing and delivering sports-based programs for less active people. And each week in the episodes, we talk with a club who has successfully applied those principles, engaging groups of people that haven't traditionally been engaging with that club. As our regular listeners now know, this podcast series celebrates those clubs who have applied these principles with amazing results and none more amazing than the results that Rochelle has created with her team at Escaping Your Comfort Zone. So in this episode, we'll learn about Michelle's motivation for starting Escaping Your Comfort Zone. But more importantly, or just as importantly, she shares the thoughts, barriers and fears of people that are looking to start exercising, sometimes for the very first time, sometimes very late in life. And she shares with us practical strategies she's learned and then employed to help participants overcome their anxieties, fears of trying something new and different. Now, as I've said many times in these podcast series, for some as someone who has grown up in community sports clubs, the concept of being concerned, worried, fearful of getting out of my car and walking into a sports club is something completely foreign to me. But what we're learning through the Doing Sport Differently series is that so many people, this is their greatest barrier. So Rochelle shares that experience, reinforces that experience, and then talks about how her and her team look to overcome those, those real fears and anxieties with their, their new and existing participants. So after the interview, I'll share, I'll share my thoughts and my learnings that we can apply to all clubs. But for now, let's hear from Rochelle Olsen from Escaping Your Comfort Zone. Hey, Steve. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I, I can't wait to, to have you retell your story. So take us, escaping your comfort zone, what is it? 
and why did you start it? Okay. So Escaping Your Comfort Zone is um, body positive hiking and adventures for for women and for non-binary people. <clears throat> Basically, um, what we've found is that there's this understanding that in order to be adventurous, in order to be a hiker, in order to be outdoorsy, you have to look a certain way. You have to be slim. You have to be super fit. You need to be able to go a long way and you need to be able to go fast because that's what we see. Um, I actually did a Google Google image search yesterday to, um, to just see what the images looked like. The, of the first 100 images that I saw when I entered hiker, there was not a single person that didn't fit that. So basically there was no one in bigger bodies. There was um, no one of varied abilities. It was basically super fit, young, skinny, fit people. And so I basically wanted to kind of tell the world that it doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what pace you are. Um, the outdoors don't care about any of that. It doesn't care whether you're fit or not, you're welcome in the outdoors. And that's what I wanted to, um, that's the message that I wanted to give people that you can come into the outdoors in the body you're in. Um, so yeah, basically it started with with me putting up a, a post. I'd, uh, I'd done a lot of adventure in my life um, and I'd just come off a, uh, a off-road cycling adventure from Canada to Mexico. And I came back and I went, I don't want to be a business analyst anymore. Um, I reckon there's a way. <laughs> um, I reckon there's a way that I can show people how to adventure and particularly for those people who don't think adventure's for them, that's where I go, come on, let's get out and play. So, yeah. Uh, I had a little bit of a different experience except with a car, not a bike. Uh, came back <laughs> from America, road trip from uh, Nashville to New Orleans and then from uh, uh, Miami down to Florida Keys and up to Orlando, came back and threw in a 20-year career at financial services. So I'm I'm hearing you. So, okay. So, so then how did escaping your comfort zone? So how did that come about? And and more importantly, what are the options that you've creating now for people to to participate in in um in the outdoors? Yeah. So it came about when <clears throat> basically I decided to put up a hiking event that I I put it up on Facebook and I said. I didn't know what escaping your comfort zone looked like at this point, but I put up a hiking event that said hiking for plus size women, Listerfield, 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon. I remember sitting in my car at about quarter to two going, no one's going to show up. Like no one's going to be here. What am I doing? And suddenly we had 15 people show up. Um, and of I think there was 12 of them that totally strangers to each other, total strangers to me, they showed up and we went for an awesome hike around Listerfield. Um, and from that point, it kind of snowballed and more and more people came, um, more and more people wanted to be involved. And my intention at that time as it grew was, I was originally advertising it for plus size women, but what I wanted to do is I hate labels. I hate labeling people and labeling, Labelling people based on a size is terrible. Um, however, at that point, people said to me, when I saw that 
those words, I knew it was for me. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to create images and photos and videos that actually um, showed all lots of different body types. So people could look at these images and go, oh, that person has a body type that's similar to mine and she's giving it a crack. How about, oh, maybe I could give it a go as well. Um, So the the plus size has dropped off and it's now just body positive because we do welcome all bodies. To be honest, the majority of our participants are in bigger bodies, Um, but we welcome all bodies as long as you come with the attitude of being body positive. Um, And so now we run hikes when it's not COVID. (laughs) Uh, We run hikes. um, Our hikes are run by a team of about 30 volunteer leaders. Um, There's eight to 10 hikes across Victoria each week. Um, And we also have a small group in Canberra as well. But it's mainly based around Melbourne Metro and kind of um, the, the areas around there. And most of our hikes are aimed at beginners. They're no more than six kilometres, take no more than two hours, and our leaders always lead from the back so nobody ever feels like they're left behind. Yeah, fantastic. As we've been going through the Doing Sport Differently theme, and uh, and I get this is week six, so we're only relatively new in this concept of exploring sports differently, but one of the things that, that's continually coming out is that the imagery and the videos have got to be written in such a way that the target audience can see themselves doing it. They can relate to it specifically and they can see themselves going, yeah, as you say, that's, Hey, that's me. And I, I, I think, think I'd be okay there. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be safe there. The other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and in that, in that vein as well is I think it's quite important to show um, awkwardness, like for want of a better term. Like say, for instance, we've 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 got some footage of um, a trip that we did up at Mount Buller, and it involves um, crossing a, a small river um, on on stones. And the footage of like some some of the participants in the group being really awkward about going, oh, I don't know where to put my my foot, rather than showing the perfection. It's showing showing the real. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's okay. And other, yeah, exactly. And the uh, one of the other big things, and I'm still I still haven't put the video together yet, but there's there's some footage there that we want to celebrate the huff and puff. Yeah, yeah. Um, a woman said to me once on a on a hike. She said, "I really like this group." She said, "When I hike with my husband, I'm always trying to." Um, pretend that I'm not huffing and puffing because I don't want him to see how unfit I am. So the more I try not to huff and puff, the more I huff and puff and the more anxious I get and I really, really don't enjoy it. Whereas she said, I look around at everyone here, everyone just walked up that hill and they are all huffing and puffing and everyone's fine about it. I'm like, yes, I'm all about the huff and puff. Like why do we have to try and like pretend to, to, that we're not huffing and puffing when it's a human thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, my COVID thing is to run five k's every day and on a yeah. running track, so dead flat. And I, the huffing and puffing is something I can relate to unbelievably. Um, <laughs> and the stopping and trying to breathe thing too. Um, yeah. Well, so we got nine at least nine online at the moment. So thanks very much for joining us in the live stream. So if you've got any questions with for the Rochelle as we go through. Uh, love, love for you to answer, oh, ask those questions in the comments. And um, 
I guess the other thing that's come out of the doing sport differently theme, which me as a, a person who's always been in sports clubs from as long as I can actually physically remember, um, it's not, it's my job to walk into sports clubs. I'm starting to understand that it's a really big deal for some people to go from not doing anything to even taking that very first step on the walking track. And and this is something I'd never really understood until the last four or five weeks, to be honest. Is that the experience that you've had with, uh, with escaping your comfort zone? For sure, for sure. Um, from the start, um, we've had people say to us that they've come along to a walk, but they've sat in the car and haven't gotten out because they haven't been able to bring themselves to get out. Um, whether that's because of anxiety, whether that's um, fear of judgment, whether that is um, concerns about their appearance, whether it might be concerns about, I mean, one of the big concerns is, will I even make it? Um, and that's one of the things, and, and, and that's been kind of the thread throughout our, our group is trying to work out a way to make people comfortable enough to show up to that first event. Um, I know myself, so a little bit like you, I've come from, um, in terms of adventure, I'm pretty comfortable in it. But for instance, for me, I signed up to a burlesque, um, an eight-week burlesque class. And it really scared me. And I remember getting to that first class and I sat in the car and I just went, I'm not going in. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Rochelle, you're 42 years, 41 <laughs> years old. Get out of the car. What is wrong with you? No, they're all going to know how to dance and they're all going to have perfect bodies and I'm not going to fit in. Da, da, da. And I kind of, I literally slapped myself across the face and said, Rochelle, you run escaping your comfort zone. You are telling people that this stuff is okay. You need to lead by example. And I'm just like, and I find it like I, I got all teary and then I'm like, right, and I went in and I realised that there was all different body types and all different people who were, were able to move, who weren't able to move, and it was great and I had a great experience. But, like, so I can really relate to that feeling. So one of the things, one of the big things that we work on doing is nurturing people up to that point where they do show up. Um, there's a number of steps there, but um, by and large, our most important um, resource is we have a private Facebook group. So it's um, Body Positive Hiking Melbourne. Um, and I think we've got, I think there's like 1,600 people in it at the moment. And what we do in that group is, yes, we share our hikes. Yes, we share our photos. Um, but we also do things like non-hiking, um, less scary things. Like, for instance, at the moment, I mean, COVID is a really great example of this where we keep people engaged and have them link up with each other um, via doing things. Like, at the moment, everyone's posting all the yellow flowers that they can find this week. And then others comment on that and then someone else comments on that. Then you have things like, for instance, what I did, and as I said, yeah, COVID's a really great um, example of this, is I 
I put a post up about the importance of um, mental health and being able to talk to someone, to being able to talk to a professional. And so as part of that post, I talked about my experience with speaking to a psychologist and why I went and the all the barriers that I faced. Um, but then that opens up really vulnerable conversations from other people going, this was my experience. And then other people see that and they go, oh, hang on. Oh, those people have tried that. Okay, maybe, maybe I, maybe this is something I can do. But it opens up a vulnerability, and within this group, um, people really get to know each other as people, not yeah. as hikers, not as experienced hikers, not as capable. Um, they get to know each other as people. Um, another great, another great post that went up a couple of years back was it was a forty degree day, and. Um, and someone had posted, I shared, I shared a link from somewhere else about an article where um, a, a woman who was in a bigger body had said, in the last 20 years, I haven't not worn a cardigan on a hot day, but today I'm taking my cardigan off and I've just got my singlet top on and I'm feeling really brave because I've got my arms out. Yeah. And there was literally hundreds of posts with all these people with, their arms out on this hot day. And for some people that came naturally, but for some people they also hadn't done it for 20, 30 years as well. And so that kind of bonding experience and the creation of that group where there's there's no expectation that if you're in this group that you will go hiking. Um, we've, of those 1,500 people, we've probably had about six or 700 of them come hiking, so about half. But there's half in there that haven't been hiking yet and where and what we realize that when we do ask the people who do start to come hiking with us um how long have you been in the group sometimes it might be two or three years they've been watching and waiting for that right time where they feel comfortable enough to come join and i I just I don't want to skip over this because particularly for those of us that have been in sport for a long period of time the the thought that going from the car to the sporting facility it is so foreign but what we now understand firstly through the research that Latrobe Uni and Vic Health have done and now through uh the storytelling of of uh, of the clubs coming in that doing sport differently program is that it's a, a tremendous barrier and so it's really if we can but that's all it is is it's just a barrier so how do you remove that barrier how do you make it really comfortable for the person to have the confidence even though they might be really anxious or even terrified driving into the car park and turning the key off well we don't do that we press the button and then we slam the door and we walk confidently over how do we how do you get them to that that stage what are those steps yeah another another one of the things that we do is so we have small groups so um our groups are no more than 12 um and we do that for a number of reasons um first of all is because um it makes for a much nicer experience when you're with a small group um we can the the leader can still give each person a personalized attention and also we don't want to be one of those big groups of 30 on the trails that you might come across um Mm -hmm. But in saying that, um, 
when a leader will post something, so we use Meetup um, at the moment as our events management system. When the leaders post up, it, they give people the opportunity to contact them if they're a first-timer. Um, and sometimes it might just be a quick chat with the leader um, or a quick messenger with the leader. And some of our leaders, like I, I've done it in the past as well, I'll say, okay, I'll get there half an hour beforehand um, and I'll meet you there then. Um, yeah. And then then we can chat and then that person isn't, they suddenly know someone and they're not trying to um, share my time um, at that point when they first arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's one of the really important things is, is if someone has been sitting in a car going, is this for me? Is this not? Should I get out? Should I not? When they, if they do decide to get out, they, that very first interaction will prove to them whether they've done the right thing or not. So if they get there and everyone's talking amongst themselves and no one's arrived, they already feel on the outer. Yes. And that that point in their head, they're like, see, this is what I I thought it was going to be. They're, they're not going to like me. They're, I'm not going to fit in. Um, so it's really important that, I mean, this is what we tell our leaders and also our participants that we kind of keep an eye out for new people and and welcome them as soon as possible because that first, that very first interaction can taint the whole, like they might have an amazing, it might be an amazing hike day, but if they were made to feel on the outer or excluded in any way at the start, that can really taint everything. And it takes a real um, conscious effort from the yes. leader's perspective because, as you said, like the leader's there, this is easy for them. And most of the participants, they've been doing it for ages, so it's easy for them. Um, and it's just about remembering and having that empathy for that new person. And one of the things that, um, that we found really works really well as well is the fact that... Um, so all of our beginner hikes are open to new people. But every now and again, probably once a month, I'll flag one of our beginner hikes as a newbie hike. And suddenly yeah. all these new people come in. And they're welcome on like on every hike. But because this one says newbie, they feel a sense of belonging already. And they also know that there'll be other people who are feeling a bit out of their depth as well, which is yeah. really important, that bonding thing. Well, speaking of bonding and and thank you, Nina, for the for the question. Sorry, it's taking me a little while to get to it. Did you find many people bring friends and or family along with them for support or worrying that they wouldn't know anyone? So that do you see them coming in twos like Noah's Ark, or is it more individual? Yeah. Um, I we do see a little bit of that. Um, sometimes um there's been a few scenarios where you might have um a pair of sisters and yep. The more active, more outgoing sister will come along with the the less outgoing sister to mm-hmm. basically introduce them. And yeah. generally, it and, and it'll work two ways. Both of them will stay and keep returning, or the the more active sister will drop away um, because basically she's she's introduced um, the less yeah. active sister. Um, and less confident sister. So that's been really good to see. One of the other things too is um, people will, um, people often will bring their dogs 
um, because that in itself mm. is a security blanket. Um, yep. And also, if you've got nothing else to talk about, there's always the dog to talk about. There's yeah. always, and, and the dog is almost your introduction to people. Um, yeah. And we find that um, we have a lot of people who might feel socially awkward. Um, what to say, don't know what to say to new people, don't know, not may not feel comfortable like making small talk with strangers. I think we all get to a point of our lives that we can't be bothered making small talk with strangers. Um, and having having the dog there is um, it means that if they don't want to talk, they've got the company of the dog. But at the same time, it makes it makes for great conversation. Um, the same with sometimes people bring their kids as well, um, and people are more than welcome to do that. Although we do find that quite quickly um, these hikes and adventures become about self-care for the person. Yes. Um, and that involves being away from the kids quite often. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, the social side is, mm-hmm. is, again, a really strong theme coming through all of the doing sport differently case studies, if you like. And in in a number of instances, the activity is secondary to the social connectiveness, which is what you 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 talked about earlier. Is that is that how you see it? Is it the activity that brings people back repeatedly more than the social, or is it more the social and they what's that side of it like? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So initially, um people will say they're coming for the activity Um, but they but they end up with such good relationships and good friends um, and and people start to feel like they belong Um, yeah and that's what they keep returning for I mean luckily for us we we also get to go out to some amazing places and see some amazing sites Um, and I, I often used to say um, back back in the days where I worked at Telstra, um, I got banned from telling anyone about what I'd done on the weekend because um, it was always something really amazing and epic. And so now these days we talk about um, you've got something to talk about around the water cooler now. Like when yeah. someone says to you, what did you get up to for the weekend, you might not want to say, oh, I watched Netflix or I did a little bit of crafting. It's like... I went and did this this really big hill and saw this waterfall and it was amazing and we camped or that kind of thing. So um, so that in itself and the connectedness, like the lifelong friendships that I've seen as part of this group are phenomenal. I remember there was the first ever leadership training that we did. So one of the things that's also different about us is um, we – by and large, we source 80% of our leaders from um, our participants. So yeah. we our leaders don't come in as being um, outdoor leaders um, and experienced in that way. They come up through the ranks. Yeah. Um, so for our first um, leadership training session, we had I think there was six of our regulars um, plus I think there was a group of 10 of them. Um, but six of our regulars who'd been with us for over a year had become such good friends. They had all bought kayaks and they'd all bought kayak racks for their cars and they parked outside the training centre that we were at and they were just all lined up, all these cars with kayaks on the roof because they were all going to go kayaking together yeah. after the 
training session. And these were people who had never been active, never been outdoorsy before this group. They suddenly had their crew to do it with. And yeah. that is, that's so exciting. And one of the things that gives me a lot of pride as well is the fact that um, I will often see that um, people from the group are going off and doing their um, like different adventures together yeah. Um, yeah. through people that they've met through the group. So, and, and that for me is so, so many people seek inclusion and seek a way to to feel like they're part of something and it's so important to offer that yeah yeah well and it comes down to basic human psychology doesn't it maslow's hierarchy of needs we want to belong to something that sense of belonging so every journey to that point is different for each different group and and you seem to have created a wonderful a wonderful journey for people to to get active in the um, in the Great Australian Outdoors, which we're very lucky to have just just on our doorstep, Rochelle, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I think what you've done is amazing. I, I think it's 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 fantastic, and congratulations on on starting something outside of the clubs. It's not a it's not within the normal bounds of a sports club. You've started this from scratch and created a, a group of like minded people coming together. Uh, exercising, experiencing the world, having something cool to talk about around the water cooler, um, or the or a big soon to become despised Zoom meetings. But um, <laughs> yeah, but more than that, you're creating great social connectiveness. So so congratulations on on what you've achieved. How can people? What's your website URL? I should have put that up on the screen. Yeah, all good. Um, so it's escapingyourcomfortzone.com. Um, and yeah, basically all our links to all of our socials and all of our, um, events are in there. Not that there's any events at the moment, but they will be there when they're there. <laughs> yeah. And you get to see what, what the, what the events will be, but if we just do what we normally do and just finish off, just looking at, at this discussion through the, the doing sport differently framework that's been created from the research by La Trobe University and, and Vic Health, uh, it, it's just a classic this I'm not sure you've either done it exactly by the framework or the frame you just illustrate exactly that the framework really works engaging the target market working with them thinking about it from their perspective catering to different levels the deliverer is the most vital person um and and creating that that pathway as people develop their fitness into an activities and you've created it in a sustainable way. I mean, it's the perfect, perfect, um, perfect program. And so, congratulations! I look forward to seeing where where you take it. Uh, uh, with the benefit of COVID, uh, the benefit of COVID, it gives people like ourselves a bit of time to have a breath, huff and puff, and think about where we take our our ideas and our thoughts. And uh, I look forward to seeing where you take escaping your comfort zone uh, post COVID. All right. Thanks so much for your time today, Steve. This has been great. No, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and and your journey. It's uh, we we well, I've certainly learned a lot, and uh, I'm sure everyone else that uh, watches the video and was joining us today live stream has learned a lot. Um, just before we go though, Kim Kim's just come through. Rochelle's program is sensational. Well, I've seen her program at work, and the group are so engaging and welcoming, so fulfilling seeing Escaping Your Comfort Zone exposed 
for the wonderful networking that it delivers. So what a Kim, thank you so much for putting that in. What a wonderful way to finish uh, what's been a, a great discussion, Michelle. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Thank you. And thanks, Kim. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Well, I hope, like me, you found that interview with Rochelle really, really inspiring, really amazing, and and really starting us on a journey of how we can think differently about people that may want to participate in sports in our club, but in different ways than what we may traditionally be offering. As I reflect on the interview with Rochelle, the word or theme that keeps coming to mind is empathy and that she truly understands the feelings of her participants, particularly the feelings before they take that giant step to come and join um, the club or a program for the first time. Empathy is clearly the foundation upon which escaping your comfort zone has been built, and it's one of the key ingredients to ensuring a high level of participation, but not just a high level, but a high level of satisfaction, enjoyment, and continual re-engagement. Everything from the photography and imagery used on the website to the ethos of celebrating the huff and puff stems from a place of empathy and wanting people to be able to see themselves doing the activity, even though they may be coming from an area of high anxiety, a high period, a, a strong worried about actually joining the program for the first time. The definite definition of empathy, as many of you will already know, is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. That is the capacity to place oneself in the other person's position. And Rochelle and her team have really done that unbelievably well. Rochelle was authentic and it just shines through again in that word that we use all the time into the culture of her club. Participants respond to the realness of her mission and how authentic she and her hike leaders are. They can see themselves, they can visualize themselves on top of the mountain joining the hike before they even leave the house. This is really important because as a rule, people feel safe and more likely to participate in an activity where they can put themselves in the shoes of the person doing the activity. I thought it was a brilliant move on behalf of Rochelle to intentionally show the awkward side of hiking, all the slip-ups and what can happen as well. This makes it okay and actually normal to have these experiences and not something to be feared like a lot of people fear before they start to, to engage in the activity. Not every image, not every video needs to be graceful and perfect, but it makes the activity relatable and accessible. When we consider the doing sport differently principles, one of which is absolutely vital to the success of escaping your comfort zone, and all sports for that matter, is the role of the deliverer. For sporting clubs, the deliverer, is usually the, the coach or on come and try days, it could be the welcomer as well that, that has such a key determination as to the experience of the participant. In this scenario, the deliverer is the hike leader. When you think about it, you can design the best experience in the world 
But ultimately, if your deliverer, it is your deliverer that decides what happens on the day and really impacts on whether people enjoy themselves or not. Rochelle spoke at length about some common barriers to participation and ones that those that barriers that people like myself that have grown up in community sports clubs just wouldn't appreciate. That is the anxiety of, of going and joining activities for the first time, the fear of judgment, the fear of failure. And the fear of failure in, in a hiking context could be falling over or falling behind and slowing the group down, right? So fear of failure means different things to different people, concerns of not being able to finish, et cetera. So nailing that first interaction, making it okay for people to have those, those real-life experiences is really, really important. Taking that first step of getting out of the car and giving it a go, whatever it is, is a really big deal for a lot of people. Again, I never realized that until we started doing the Doing Sport Differently live stream and podcast series, and then time and time and time and time again, clubs would tell us this was the fear, this was the challenge that they had to overcome. This was the experience of the people that they were looking to, to engage with their club or, or to welcome into their club. So the importance of that person who's greeting the participant for the first time and potentially and hopefully their family members with a smile and creating a sense of belonging is just so important. Rochelle's strategies to create a safe space include engaging on social media, text messaging, emailing that leads up to the participant's first hike. Ensuring group sizes are small and intimate and offering to meet new participants at the meeting spot 30 minutes prior to anyone else. She also mentioned that having a, a dedicated newbie hike allowed first-timers to feel like they were on a level playing field with everybody else. For your club, the practical strategies might be different. However, the theory is the same. Simply ask yourself, what do our participants really truly need to feel comfortable. A quote from Rochelle on Escaping Your Comfort Zone's website eloquently sums up the doing sport differently approach. I'm just an everyday woman. I'm not overly fit, but I love the outdoors. And I want to inspire and support other people to experience what I have without limits. You don't need to be fit. You don't need to look like look the part. It doesn't matter what size, speed or fitness you are. All you need is a sense of adventure and a willingness to step outside your comfort zone. I have discovered that the one thing that makes that has made my experience so absolutely unbelievable is doing it with others, having like-minded people to explore with, to take photos with, to share an awe expiring view with, to tell you to take just a few more steps. It's the people that make you want to get out of bed in the morning and spend a few hours or a few weeks on the hiking trail. That's it in a nutshell for me. The thing that keeps most people playing sport is the social connection. Who they're playing or hiking with in this case, and if they're actually enjoying the experience of being part of and interacting with your club. 
Well, that's a lot of a lot of a lot of takeaways for one session. So I really hope the discussion with Rochelle generates some blue sky thinking around removing barriers, employing empathy, and really looking at the world, looking at your club through the eyes of your participants and your future participants, and just to really understand or to consider, does it actually truly meet their needs? Or are we just doing what we've always done? So, again, as I say every week, if you're a sports club volunteer or know of a volunteer that needs help, please check out the website, sportscommunity.com.au, which contains all our training, online training courses, all the information you need to become a successful sports club volunteer and how we can make that role as easy as possible. Of course, I'd really like to, to acknowledge and thank our sports community members. It's only with your help and support that we're able to make resources for volunteers such as these podcasts. So to our sports community members, I th say thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you love the podcast, if you love what we do, if you love helping other people, if you want to access, if you're a volunteer and you want to get access to all the great resources that can make your life at your sports club so much easier, then we'd love for you to join us and become a sports community member. So just go to the website, sportscommunity.com.au and click on the membership links and you'll find all the information you need to make it easier for you to be a sports club volunteer. Until next week, I'm Steve Palace. Thank you so much for listening to the Doing Sport Differently podcast series. And thank you so much for being part of our sports community.